welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, with me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the Great War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 5th of July 2021 and this is episode 215. On today's podcast, I talked to Pratap Chetri about his research into the Assam Rifles during the First World War. Pratap spoke to me over the interweb from his home in Mizoram province in northeast India. Pratap, welcome back to the podcast for the third time. Could you start by briefly telling us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? Thank you, Dr. Tom, for having me on your show for the third time. As you said, I don't know how to express my gratitude to you. So here is a big thank you. Well, as I have said on two earlier occasions, I'm a civil servant and have been working for the provincial government of Mizoram in the Union of India for the last 10 years, specializing in media matters and public communication. Uh, The centennial commemoration of the Great War, which began in 2014, ignited my interest in the subject. Before this, I was not very much aware of the contribution of Indians and the larger Indian subcontinent. Around the same time, I rediscovered my family links to the First World War. As I have, I think, mentioned in one of uh, the earlier podcasts, my maternal great-grandfather had served in France, but I did not have the exact the details. I knew that he had enlisted in, the, uh, in, in, in what was known as the Lushai Hills uh, Military Police, which, early, which later on became the Assam Rifles, which we will talk about on this podcast. So I borrowed his, uh, his British War Medal and the Victory Medal, which were in the position of his youngest son, my great uncle, to find out more about him. Unfortunately, the medals did not yield much information, but it put me on, on a path of probing more about him and the war. And, and just two months back, I discovered that he had a younger brother who also fought in France and was also part of the Sam Rifle. Both of them were attached to different Gurkha battalions in France and, and other places on the Western Front, I think. And this force that we are going to talk about today, the Assam Rifles, has the distinction of being India's oldest paramilitary force, whose origin dates back to 1835. So, as you said, we're going to talk about the Assam Rifles. Could we start um, by looking at their service before the Great War? And before that, could you actually tell us where Assam is and where it is located within the confines of modern-day India. Uh, Okay, Uh, Assam and what today are the six other provinces of India in the northeastern region of the country were initially clubbed together with Assam and the hill districts of Assam, which today are separate provinces, were in fact the last frontiers of British colonization in India. Now, the northeastern region of India is bounded by China in the north Myanmar in the east and south, Bangladesh to the southwest, and by Bhutan in the west. So th- this region is, has become a, 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 a place of great strategic importance, uh, uh, looking at the, the, the perspectives from which it shares its international borders. Now, I would also like to mention a little more about Assam, because uh, the, whole, the whole northeast India is linked very intricately to Assam, because all these provinces came, uh, ultimately became provinces of India from Assam itself. Now, the plains of Assam were seceded, uh, were ceded to the British by the Burmese as a part of the Treaty of Yendabu after the First Anglo-Burmese War in 1826. 
1854, the British annexed other small states in the foothills of the region, such as the Kachari Kingdom, the Jaintian Khasi states, the home kingdom of Purandar Singha in Upper Assam and other plain areas. Now they left the hills of Assam, which were inhabited by fierce tribes such as the Nagas and the Luchais and others, and conquered, perhaps to form a sort of a buffer. Now here I must also bring tea into the picture because the cultivation of tea is, inter is, uh, is linked to the British expansion or the British uh, colonization of Northeast India. The British uh, East India Company as a commercial body was looking for new ventures and the cultivation of tea was very suited to the climate of Sam. Tea cultivation started in 1830 and by 1834, the British East India Company set up an expert committee to assess the commercial cultivation of tea in the region and the Assam Tea Company was established in 1839. Now it's, it expanded steadily and by 1862, the business comprised over 160 gardens, all owned by five public companies, along with 57 private players. Now to bring the agricultural land and forest areas under tea cultivation, the infamous Wastelands Act was used indiscriminately to allow the diversion and seizure of lands of such lands to be transformed into tea plantations. The close symbiotic relationship of the colonial state and plantation capitalism through the colonial period is most succinctly captured in a term which is known as the planter Raj. So between 1840 to 1860, the production and cultivation of Assam tea was dominated by the Assam tea company operating from the districts in Upper Assam. Upper Assam. Now the, for, the workforce initially was made of local Kacharis and later on a lot of tribes from central India were, uh, were um, taken to Assam to work in plantation. Now that's a different story, I'll not, on, I'll not touch on that. Now the success of the company shifted with changes in colonial policies, offering plots to tea planters. It led to the boom and expansion of Assam's tea industry during the early 1860s. The Assam Rifles can, tr can trace their history back to 1853. Could you give us an overview of their formation, their purpose, and what activities they got up to before the outbreak of the Great War? Uh, as I said, the Assam Rifles traces its lineage back to almost 200 years, uh, 1835 to be exact, when it was established as a small irregular force called the Kachar Levy by Mr. Cranj, who was the head of the civil administration in Nogao, uh, a district in the Parasam, to protect tea gardens and settlements uh, against marauding raids and assault by various tribes in the areas adjoining the present day Kachar district of Assam and maybe also uh, uh, the, 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 hill, uh, the hill areas near to Nagaland and Assam. Uh, though it was initially a very insignificant civil force, which was uh, very ill-equipped, poorly played, uh, poorly paid, I mean, uh, but it assumed significance and increased in numbers as the British expanded inwards into the, into the hinterland of Northeast India, especially the hill areas. So by the turn of the 20th century, this force developed into a pioneering military force that carried out all major operations and expedition in the Northeast region, such as the Kuki operations of 1880 and 1917 and 1919, the Manipur expedition of 1886, the Lushai Hills expedition of 1889-1990, and even I think 1871-72, uh, uh, the Abor expedition of 
uh, they got enrolled in the, 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 the various police battalions. And that's how we also trace our history, you know. So in September 1914, the Lakhimpur Military Police Battalion dispatched its first reinforcement to the Gurkha Regiment, which consists of that of three Indian officers, four non-commissioned officers and 200 men. The Naga Hills Military Police Battalion sent three Havildars and 100 men in October 1914, while in the same month, the Rang Military Police Battalion dispatched 50 men. And similarly, in October 1914, from the Lushai Hills Military Police Battalion, the first draft of 103 men, including officers, were sent. So right from the start itself, right from 1914, we can see that uh, men were being sent uh, to, be, uh, to, uh, to join the, the Gurkha regiments. Of course, they served with the Gurkha regiments, but uh, they, didn't, they didn't serve as the Assam Rifles per se, because they got the name Assam Rifles only in 1917. Now, we'll come to that later. Now, these men underwent training and inspections in the regimental training centers of the Gurkha regiments. And by early 1915, men of what would become the Assam Rifles were already, were already in various theaters of the war. Battalions of the Assam Military Police were regularly supplying drafts to Gurkha regiments at an average of at an average rate of about 200 men a month until the end of 1917, when the, the Kuki Rebellion, uh, or which is known as Zogal in the local construct here, obliged the, dis obliged the, discontinu the discontinuation of sending men as they were needed to, to quell this uprising in the present-day Manipur state. During the Great War, what's the size and scale of the force that became known as the uh, Assam Rifles? What sort of numbers are we talking about? Uh, I'll just, uh, I have these uh, statistics, I'll just quickly read them. I mean, in all, the, the Lusha Hills Military Police Battalion, which became the first Assam Rifles, sent eight Indian officers and 817 men. The Lakhimpur Military Police Battalion, which became the second Assam Rifles, sent seven officers and 988 men. The Naga Hills Military Police Battalion, which became the third Assam Rifles, sent three officers and 720 men, while the Durang Battalion, which became the fourth Assam Rifles, sent five officers and six uh, and 649 men. So in total, there were a total, uh, uh, a total of 23 Indian officers and 3,174 men, which were furnished as, re as reinforcement from these various military police battalions, which became the different battalions of the Assam Rifles to the highly decorated Gurkha regiments. Where during the First World War did these units actually serve? Uh, as I said, the name of the country's oldest paramilitary force, the Assam Rifles, is surprisingly linked to the First World War, because it was during the First World War in October 1917 that the four battalions of the Assam Military Police were collectively christened the Assam Rifles in recognition of their exemplary service, indomitable courage and supreme sacrifices of its men who took part in various theatres of the war in France. Uh, now, since these, uh, these more than 3,000 men were regularly drafted at the rate of 200 uh, men a month, now they, they served in almost all the theatres wherever the, the, the Gurkha battalion served, whether it was Gallipoli, Egypt, Mesopotamia, uh, Palestine, Persia, North Africa. I mean, wherever the, 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 the Gurkha regiment served, these men also served. Now, these shy, but uh, they were shy. Uh, a majority of these men were Gurkha themselves, and I think that was the reason why the, the, the government then wanted to, 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 to so, uh, sort of uh, um, uh, draft them 
as as volunteer as volunteers in these different gurkha units so uh, in a number of major offensives in which the different gurkha regiments earned admiration for their valor and courage soldiers from the assam rifles were an integral part of the fighting force of the feared gurkhas whether it was the the fields of france the rocks of gallipoli the arid stretches of mesopotamia or the deserts of egypt and north africa and how were these men regarded by their army officers and were their army officers generally europeans or did they actually start to recruit indian officers during this time coming to your to your last question i mean uh, as in the british army the officers of the assam rifles were all europeans and like you had the the the, the viceroy commissioned officers in the assam rifles also you had the you had a similar nomenclature of the viceroy's uh, commissioned officers such as uh, such as the the subadars the subadar majors and and things like that so uh, in 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 the book by uh, by colonel shakespeare on the history of the assam rifles uh, he has sort of uh, collected these comments from some of the uh, from some of the officers and i think i must uh, just read them uh, through so general may who was the general officer command commanding of the 8th lucknow division who inspected the first draft from the naga hills military police battalion before they left for france now in his report he states and i'll, I'll co- quote this military battalion to be as good as most indian regiments for frontier defense and being self-reliant and thoroughly accustomed to roughing it its men are in many ways far more efficient there's another one by the officer commanding of the first king george's own gurkha rifles now in a in a letter he sent to the inspector general of police in shillong he had to say this subordinate quote men of the assam military police who served with the regiment from january 1915 to october 1918 in france mesopotamia and palestine helped to maintain and enhance the reputation of the first king george's own gurkha rifles and while the uh, the officer commandant of the 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 second king edward's own gurkha rifles said in letter of commendation quote the assam military police battalion quickly settled down to trench warfare and conditions utterly unlike any that had that they had formerly experienced and rapidly identified themselves with the interests and spirits of the regiments now uh, colonel villiers stewart who was the officer commanding of the fifth gurkha rifles highly appreciated the men the value of these men and he suggested a scheme to accord permanent affiliation of the assam rifle battalions to the gurkha regiments for trainings and stuff like that so in 1924 the government accorded formal sanction to his proposal now there's just one more that i'd like to read one more uh, observation by an officer i think um, this was the officer commanding of the 1 uh, 1 by 3 queen alexandra's own gurkha rifles who commanded quote i can assure you that the services rendered by men of the assam military police were worthy of the fine traditions and of the parent regular battalion of the gurkha brigade which they served so he says again quote i could tell you many tales of the bravery and devotion to duty at all times and of the exceptional cheeriness when circumstances were most trying and uncomfortable it was with great regret that i parted with these men on our return to india from palestine for four years they had served with my battalion on active service in mesopotamia and palestine and their loyalty devotion to duty and gallantry was beyond praise so these were the kind of 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 views 
and, and respect that European officers had for men of the Assam uh, of the Assam Military Police Battalion, which became the Assam Rifles. And what sort of level? What was the level of casualties that these units suffered? So, as I said, uh, you had a total of uh, twenty-three Indian officers and uh, three hundred three thousand one hundred seventy-four men who uh, who took part in the war. Uh, Eleven Indian officers. Before I come to the casualties, I just uh, the, the I just wanted to mention the decorations that they received. Eleven Indian officers and sixty-nine other ranks received various honors, which included seven Indian Orders of Merit, five Indian Distinguished Service Medals, the IDSM, and 12 Meritorious Medals. The casualties incurred by the Assam Rifles during the Great War came to five Indian officers and 237 other ranks killed, and six Indian officers and 247 other ranks wounded. Now, 11 Indian officers and, and, and 133 others were specially promoted on the field. Now, I think uh, the, num- the uh, 242 men of the Assam Rifles lost their lives during the Great War. 95 of them are commemorated on the Shillong Memorial. Now, this memorial is a part of the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, as we all know, has sites spread out in a number of locations across many countries globally. Now, besides taking part in the war, men of the Assam Rifles also helped in imparting basic training in early 1917, to more than 8,000 labor companies, labor corps, who recruited from the different tribes of Northeast India uh, for labor on the Western Front. And I think I've covered this part in one of the earlier podcasts. And do these units of the SM Rifles still exist today? Oh, yes, very much. Now, they have grown from, 44, from four battalions in 1917 to 46 battalions today, with perhaps a fighting force of more than 50,000 soldiers at the, at the least. I mean, the numbers could be as, as high as 55,000 even, I think. So today they are engaged in guarding the 1643-kilometer-long Indo-Myanmar body. Now, in the past, they were also used in counterinsurgency operations against various secessionist groups fighting to break away from the Union of India in the northeast region of India. They are considered an elite force, especially in terms of counterinsurgency and guerrilla operations and border guarding. Now, a number of these, uh, a number of soldiers from the Assam Rifles have received uh, various gallantry awards in, in different wars after India's independence. And, and yes, uh, before I forget, the, the, uh, it was the men of the Assam Rifles who escorted the Dalai Lama to safety into India in March 1959 during his two week escape trek through the impenetrable Himalayan passes in the upper regions of today's Arunachal Pradesh. Now, had it not been for these men of the Assam Rifles, His Holiness the Dalai Lama certainly would have been captured by the Chinese forces. Now, the Dalai Lama, in, who wanted maybe to, pres- uh, uh, to, to as, as, a, as, as a gratitude to the Assam Rifles, he presented the Assam Rifles with his personal revolver, which I think he never used but kept for personal safety, that this firearm is still displayed in the Sam Rifles Museum in Shillong. And how is their contribution and service during the Great War remembered in modern-day India today? Unlike in Great Britain and other European countries, for a very long time, even after independence, we in India did not have a culture of remembrance and commemoration. But since the centennial observation of the First World War, since, 90, uh, since, uh, since 2014, uh, India is waking up and remembering its soldiers who fought in the First World War. 
In this context, the Center for Armed Forces Historical Research, which is now known as the Center for Military History and Conflict Studies, based in Delhi, has brought to light India's phenomenal contributions in the World War during the four-year period from 2014 to 2018. They've also instituted the Marigold akin to the poppy for remembering Indian soldiers who fought in both the World Wars and thereafter. And my penultimate question is, what projects are you currently working on? Uh, well, not much. The pandemic has strained me mentally and physically. Now, given uh, the, the important role of dissemination of COVID-19 related information and news, which, uh, which is my profession, because as I said, I work with the, with the government media. I've been literally on the tether since March. But I've started working on a more detailed monograph on Rana Joda, the first Gurkh officer. And I'm also collecting uh, these, uh, the, the, these, po these poems and, and a little bit of writings on the sorrows and loss and lament of Gurkha soldiers in both the wars. And as a part of India Remembers, which is a commemorative project on India's contribution and role in the Second World War, on the, on, on the occasion of the 75th anniversary of the end of Second World War, I've, de I've been doing a, a little bit of work. Recently, I spoke about the, the, the refugees who fled from India to Burma uh, on foot in 1942 with the outbreak of the Second World War. And uh, I've, I've also done a short film, or a, not a short film, but a, sh a short interview of a, of a veteran who fought in the famous Battle of Koima. So these are kind of things I'm trying to, uh, to, to do to, to get myself busy, you know. And my final question is, where can people learn more about the Assam Rifles? Oh, of course, the book, The History of the Assam Rifles by Colonel L.W. Shakespeare is, is the book, and it is a treasure on the origin and expedition of the force against various tribes during the 1850s to early 90s. Now, the Assam Rifles have also, they have a website where one can learn more about them, but as it is with all government websites, not much information is there. And they have also published these uh, wonderful coffee table books. Of course, these are official publications and uh, one might find it difficult to get to lay our hands on them. And these are the, these are some of the uh, the places where one can learn more about the Assam rifles. Pratap, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Tom. And uh, this was a very personal one of all the podcasts that I've done for you. This has a very personal a, a personal touch for me because I have today talked about my great-grandfather's battalion. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Buthworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Rusman, and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth, performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.